Welcome back, everybody. We continue all the way until 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Time to do some NBA and the man who knows all when it comes to the Golden State Warriors. He covered them for so many years, and he knows the league as well. John Cannon is our guest. John, hello to you, and let's begin here where the Warriors, to me, currently are the only team that can have two superstars suck pond water and still win a game where the two other guys just play great. Yeah, it's a luxury, as, as Steve Kerr said after the game last night, to have as many big-time scorers as they have. It's, um, it's pretty phenomenal. And I, and, I, and I know people are still clinging to the, you know, oh, they wouldn't beat the Bulls. Uh, but it's... Kind of hard to imagine a team that could beat this team four times. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. And let's I'm just, with you let's on just make that. clear for a second. No matter what happened in game one of this series, Cleveland was not winning this series. I mean, what was on the line there was making it a little more interesting, not, not winning the series. John, when you take a look at it, we all had Golden State winning. You are correct with that. I thought it might go five games. I thought Cleveland might get one. Obviously, game one was their best chance, and they couldn't get it done. Uh, it's funny because people have a tendency to think, well, you know, now that it's 3-0 and we all know who's going to win, uh, Cleveland will Cleveland's got a shot to win game four, and then the Warriors can go home and win it on their home court. Please explain that when you are a professional athlete, doesn't matter which sport, your job when you have a chance to close it is to close it. That's it. I anticipate Golden State winning and probably winning in double figures on Friday night. Where are you? Well, I, I agree with you that they... They will be and should be trying to do that. But I, I do remember last year when, with all the pressure removed, suddenly Cleveland could not miss a three-pointer. I remember that. And, you know, and the Warriors didn't play great. They didn't play great defense in that game. But Cleveland was unconscious. And that's kind of out of, it's out of the Warriors' control. You know, if the other team just has an otherworldly uh, experience. And they, they also, I remember the Warriors got in serious foul trouble. Uh, they just had all kinds of problems in that in that game, and so they wound up having it. And, and remember, they at that point were fifteen and zero. They were trying to run the table and couldn't do it. So I, I expect them to win. Uh, I, I know they want to. I think I think for them, it's sweeter to clinch on the road. They've done both, and I think that first year where they clinched in Cleveland is still the sweetest for them because, you know, you don't have everyone around. It's just the team. And you don't have to share it with your, with, you know, you share it with your immediate family because they're probably on the trip, but you don't, you don't share it with your extended family and with the season ticket holders that you see all the time and all the other hangers on. It's just the team. And I think, I think they'd prefer that if they had the choice. So Kevin Durant goes off last night in uh, just incredible fashion, and Jim mentioned, you know, as Clay struggled and Steph struggled, they still had an incredible performance out of him. I've asked this question to you, I posed it to you, oh, probably three, four weeks back about his future in Golden State as he has an opportunity to move on if he'd like. Have those chances increased at all? If, if they make it two in a row, could you see Kevin Durant? It's one thing to join and make this super team, 
It's another to to blaze your own path. Can you envision a scenario where Durant leaves now? No, I think I mentioned to you guys last time we talked about this article that uh, that was published in on the Athletic website, where Tim Kawakami went back and and talked to everyone involved in that Hamptons meeting. And guys, the the conditions that that brought Kevin Durant to the Warriors had nothing to do with winning championships. It had to do with wanting to play with those guys and and feeling really for the first time he was looking for validation, which is shocking to us. I mean, here was he'd been an MVP, you know, he'd been listed as as one of the great players, and and yet he was still looking for validation, and he got it from these guys. And I don't see him leaving the Warriors really anytime. I think. I think he's he's there, and uh, and and they're all there, and I think they really want to push this thing as long as they can. I mean, you you can't do it forever, and the disease of me is always out there, as Pat Riley used to say, and uh, and and the fact that the Warriors have gotten through four years without that being a problem. I mean, they've had problems, and this year there was a malaise that that was effect in effect really from the beginning of the season, from the time they got back from China, they didn't have the fire. I mean, you could see that, but it wasn't because guys overnight, you know, got selfish or they got book deals or whatever, like has happened with a lot of teams in the past, or guys were worried about how many shots they were getting. That's never been the problem, and it will be very interesting to see how long they can go without that being a problem, because it's a problem in most locker rooms in the NBA. John Cannon is our guest on the Big Talker 1700. We're talking NBA Finals with John. All right, John, so... We referenced the KD situation and how good he was. Look, we all know, everybody knows, the best player on the planet is LeBron. Is the second best player Durant? Is is that now solidified, or does he still have a lot more to prove? Well, it's hard to argue. It really is. I mean, and I thought Draymond Green, he was asked last night the difference between KD and Steph who can both obviously take a game over. But he said when it's Steph, it's more, it's flashier. And Steph has to do more work to get daylight to make shots. Durant just shoots over people. And when he's, he's on a run like that, it's so efficient. And, and therefore, it's more consistent. You know, the less, you know, look at like anybody's motion, like a pitcher's motion, the less there is going on, the more it can be repeatable. And, and Durant, man, he, he's a machine. So, yeah, I think um, as much as I've loved watching Curry through the, through the years, you can really see when you see Durant the difference and how regular he is. And defensively, when he decides, I mean, last night he decided, I'm going to play defense and rebound. And he scored 43 points. So he is learning, even here 10 years in, that when he focuses on defense and rebounding, the scoring shows up. And, man, he, he's, he's just a force. But we do need to talk about LeBron, though. And we need to talk about Philadelphia. So you think this is a real possibility, John? Yes. And there's an interim step that I think is going to happen, even though I have not gotten confirmation from my friend, David Griffin. Okay. <laughs> but, what, what, what's the step we're looking for, then? The Sixers hired David Griffin as a GM. Mm-hmm. And now LeBron's looking at the landscape, and it's all different. 
He was very upset when the Cavaliers let Griffin go. Very yes, he upset. Was. Yep. And and it was shortly after that that Kyrie demanded the trade. Don't know that that would have happened if Griffin was still there. So I I think that would be a huge step toward LeBron going to Philadelphia. You know he doesn't want to go start over someplace. Mm-hmm. You know most teams would have to gut their their teams to be able to bring him on. And and Philadelphia is loaded. So and, and it would there are very few jobs Griffin would leave his new life for. He's got radio shows, he's doing TV work for NBA, he's living in Sonoma. Although he almost lost his house in those fires. I mean it was really close. He got evacuated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this, I think, he would do. He's in his mid-40s, way too young to just not do it anymore. And the chance to go there and have a chance to get LeBron and, and win some titles in Philly, I think, I think would, would do it. So, like I said, he has, he has steadfastly not responded to my requests for, for his, to take his temperature on it. But I'm just going to go out on a limb and, and say I think that's that's the path for Philadelphia to take if they want to get LeBron. I think it's there for them. John, I'm real curious. Then you don't you don't see Houston or the L.A. Lakers being a player in all of this as well. Uh, I just well, I just yeah, they're, think they're with, players. With, they're going to make okay. a run, absolutely. But okay, I'm not sure they can offer him. I mean, Houston obviously has the team. In fact, there was another thing about about last night's game. Compare Cleveland to Houston, and it's not close. You know, instead of Trevor Ariza guarding somebody on the wing, you've got Kyle Korver guarding someone on the wing. You're you're going to the bench, and instead of getting Eric Gordon, you're bringing in Rodney Hood. I mean, it's... It's just so not close. Uh, I think that the Rockets would sweep the Cavaliers. I really do. Um, but can the Cavaliers, can the, can the Rockets manage their, their money? And people are talking about Chris Paul on a max contract. You know, Chris Paul's 33 years old and injury prone. If you tie up a max contract money with him, how do, how do, you, do, how do you manage that and build the rest of your team? And Capella's got to get paid. So, a lot of teams have problems, and the reason that the Sixers don't is because their guys are young. What so, oh, yes, go, go ahead. Well, the, the final kind of piece here, and I brought this up to Jimmy B. Uh, a week ago. I think the perfect spot is in Philadelphia. With, with the, the mix that they have there, Embiid, you just don't know about the health. Ben Simmons, jump shot, Markel Fultz, on and on and on. The perfect place for him, if it's about winning championships and, and a realistic place for him to go, it's Boston. I mean, that's the place, and you tell Kyrie, hey, take a hike, we're bringing in LeBron. I, I think the theater would be incredible. Is there a scenario, though? I, I don't even know how the books would work, but I haven't heard many people talk about it. I think that's actually his best destination. Well, I, I agree that that would be attractive, too. Although, um, I don't know, why, why would you have to get rid of Kyrie? Just because the money? I mean, obviously, they, yes, they yeah, play together. Yeah. They play yeah. together well. Yes. So that would, you know, um, I would hope you could find other other ways to to clear cap space to you know to make that work. Because I, I would hate <laughs> really Kyrie's been through a lot, and I, I'd hate mm-hmm. to have him 
get bounced out of Boston, you know, especially uh, I heard Griff uh, recently on, on a, the Bill Simmons podcast talk about Irving and how, how hard it was for him when LeBron came to Cleveland because Irving had been their, the leader on a bad team that was suddenly getting good. And he was going to get to be the leader on a good team. And then LeBron showed up. And he had to learn how to be the secondary guy. And it wasn't easy for him. And so, I, I, if, he's in, <laughs> if he loses his gig in Boston because LeBron, I just, I just the karma that, that could be really whiplashy. But, um, but that's certainly a place. But you, you know, and I don't know all the cap stuff either. I, I, I don't study that stuff, and I'm, I'm kind of proud to say that because I don't, I don't have the time. But, <laughs> Um, but he definitely wants to go where he can win, um, and and that's a place he can win. So if, if Boston could make it work, you know that that's a possibility. But I know he has he has great faith in David Griffin to build a team, work the cap, mm-hmm. identify talent, and get the pieces around him like he did in fifteen and sixteen to to, to build that team up. And I, I I just know that that's that he would have faith in that, and I think that'd be very attractive to him. John, with the with potentially only one game left, uh, the TV ratings are down, and I get it. The first game was the most entertaining game that we have seen so far. Um, how do you think the? I mean, the NBA they they finally had two seven games in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals for the first time since 1978. Yeah. Does the NBA get a little nervous here that maybe they just have one powerhouse team and everybody else, at least as far as some fans are concerned, once you get to the playoffs, are just also rans and that's it? Well, I think the problem you know continues to be in the East. And it didn't help this year that a bunch of players went from the East to the West. Strong players. Uh, but and, and for that matter, keeping LeBron in the East, I think, would be very attractive to the NBA because the finals have to be better. I mean, that's, the, that's been the issue. The Western Conference finals, you know, were great this year, and, and, and people expect that Houston's going to be there, you know, for another shot at it next year. So that's not the problem. And there are, you know, even the younger teams in the West are getting better to where you can see the Warriors getting pushed to a, a five or six game, you know, first first and second round. So, uh, and the, the number of games this year is dramatically higher from last year. And so that means the cap is going to be higher next year. The cap was really low this year because both Cleveland and the Warriors just blitzed everybody last year. There weren't any games. And the first four games in each series, that money goes to salaries. And the next, anything after that goes right to the NBA. The players do not receive any compensation for games over four, and that's an obvious, you know, point when you think about it. You don't want them to be incentivized to stretch, you know, stretch series out. But the NBA is sure incentivized to stretch series out, and so they've had a really good year this year. Uh, but if this finals, you know, fizzles like it looks like it's going to, then you know it's a concern. But the league is strong, and and the player recognition. We've talked about how how many players in the NBA are, are recognized and, and revered compared to you know, either football or baseball. It's not even close. Um, so I think, I think they're in very good shape, but they do need Eastern teams to, 
you know, to get better and make these finals you know, more competitive. Final thing for you, John Cannon joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Sports. John, uh, so I was talking with Ken earlier today and mentioned that you were coming on. So he wanted me to throw this at both you and Jim. So as he was watching Durant last night, he said it reminded him a lot of Bill Russell. Not, not as a player, obviously, completely different styles. But, but his mannerisms, his facial expressions, you guys are going to have to help me out here. Is, is Ken completely crazy? Did he have too many Stellas last night? Or can you see what he's talking about? Uh, I can remember first, watching Jim. Russell play. Yeah, I, I remember watching Russell play. Uh, and now that you reference that, uh, facial expressions, yes, are somewhat similar. There, there is no question in my mind about that. You're correct. The style of play is totally different, yes. But... His some of his mannerisms uh, and the way that he takes himself around the court, uh, his fluidity in movement as well as a guy that big. Uh, yes, I will say that Ken hit the nail on the head when he talked about having some of those qualities of Bill Russell. John? Well, as much as this is, makes for really bad radio, I, I have to agree with you completely. Uh, I think oh Ken... You know, who does not really consider himself an NBA guy. Is that right? Yeah, Trent? no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe it's the distance, you know, that he has, that he saw that where you and I didn't, Jim, because mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. And I would even say that outside of the fact that, you know, that he did not have an outside shot, or if he had one, it was from eight feet. Um, other than that, there are a lot of similarities. You, you see the way Durant corrals a rebound that, seems to be out of his reach, and he gets it, because he's got a 7-5 wingspan. And I don't know what Russell's wingspan was, but it was longer than his 6-9 height, for sure. And and he would, and I, I think I've said this to you too recently, Trent, is go to YouTube and, and just Google Bill Russell, and you'll see things where he grabs a rebound and dribbles at the length of the floor and dunks it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Chamberlain used to do that too, but Russell has Durant's build. That long, skinny build, and you look like you'd be able to knock him over, you know, pretty easily, and yet he's tough as nails. So I, I, I give Ken a lot of credit for that. I think that that's a brilliant uh, analogy, and um, and and yeah, and there's 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 stuff going on inside Kevin Durant's head, like there was with Bill Russell. He's a very bright guy, and and he's, you know, he's. He's thinking all the time about things, as as Russell was. Good stuff. Well, with that, Ken was right. I'll give him credit. I, I was the one, though, that yeah. threw out. I had the Cavs in the first half, Warriors to win the game at plus 50. So I also had something right yesterday. But we'll give him Woo! credit for that one. We'll give him credit for that one. <laughs> hey, John, we're out of time. Always good talking with you. Enjoy the conclusion. And I'm sure we'll be wrapping things up and talking this summer. Sounds great, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. John Cannon joining us here as we talk the world of the NBA. We're going to talk a little more NBA Cleveland side of things as we're going to bring in Ken Silverstein on the other side. Also, a little bit on the Big Ten, including a question I have. Shea Patterson, the new Michigan quarterback. Yeah. Are we sure he's good? 
We'll do it next with Ken Silverstein. <laughs> Take it up until 6 o'clock. It's Jimmy B at TC. Welcome back, everybody. We go all the way till the top of the hour at 6 o'clock here tonight on the Big Talker 1700. Ken Silverstein joins us now. Big Ten Conference Insider. He is sequestered nicely in Cleveland. And it's pretty much, uh, Ken, coming to the fruition that you talked about. Uh, either a sweep or if the Cavs get lucky and, and win on Friday night, maybe it ends in five. Uh, just kind of your overall thoughts on what you have seen so far. Well, none of it is surprising. Uh, I mean, Golden State is just, you got four all-stars. You have two future Hall of Famers in Durant and Curry. And that's no slight on Thompson and Green. They're all-star type players, but they're on a little bit of a, if not more than little, lower level than the other two. Uh, Iguodala has always been a Cavaliers killer, whether it was with Philadelphia or now more importantly, Golden State, Sean Livingston. Is still a solid bench guy, and for whatever reason, always seems to play well in the postseason. And um, they're going to win a title again, which is going to be three out of four. You can make an argument they should have won four in a row. And, guys, if LeBron James stays or if he goes, and if he goes, depending on where he goes, there's no reason to believe that Golden State will not only win next year, but who knows how many more years. All these guys are in their prime, and, uh, they're not 33, 34, 35 years old. Uh, so um, simply put, get used to this. Either you like it or you don't like it, um, or maybe you don't care. I'm not sure what, what door you walk through, but the bottom line is this thing is far from being over, and they're going to challenge the Celtics of Halcyon days, let's say in the 60s, which is a long time ago, for um, – Great teams, great runs, whatever you want to call it. An all-timer, no doubt, but uh, the question of will he or won't he certainly lingering more and more as this series now sits at 3-0 in favor of Golden State. From your perspective, LeBron, what should it be? Where is he going to go? What are you hearing right now? Well, you hear all kinds of stuff. Obviously, the game last night, talking to some people, um, nobody knows. I mean... Even even the most trusted sources that I've cultivated for years here, uh, no one knows definitively. It's all a little bit of a, or even more than a little bit of guesswork. I think most people that I trust believe that he's going to leave. The problem for him and why this is going to be a more difficult decision than some people might think is that there's no obvious place to go where it makes total sense, uh, yeah, all right, I think he may want to go to Houston. Okay, that makes sense. He's very tight, close, close friends with Chris Paul. you got you got the beard there. Uh, they play an up-tempo deal, but they got to get to Golden State. And they didn't do it again this year, and maybe they do it with LeBron, but what do they got to give up to get LeBron, and how do they move the dollars around? So it's not clear-cut. Some might say, well, let's send him to Philadelphia. Well, first of all, right now they don't have a GM, so there's really nobody, quote, to negotiate with. I guess you could negotiate with the owner, I guess, but there's no basketball person now in charge. We'll see what you know where that goes over the next week uh, or two. LeBron doesn't like playing with young guys. Young guys make mistakes. And as good as Simmons and Embiid is, and he likes Simmons a lot, they're pretty, pretty tight, um, 
he may say, you know what, then I still got to go through Boston most likely. Irving and Hayward are coming back. Tatum and Brown are really good. Brad Stevens is a great coach. It's a tough place to play to beat them in a place a game. Maybe eh, Philadelphia. I don't know. Maybe eh, that's not clear cut. The Lakers. Yeah, maybe he goes with Paul George and makes it a tag team. But again, young, unproven. Oh my goodness, they'd have to go through Houston and Golden State to get to the finals. The Clippers again. L.A. He likes that. He's got a home there. He's got business out there. But again, you got to go through, oh my goodness, Houston and more importantly, Golden State. That's the problem. That's the problem. There is no easy way out of this. And as much as I think he looks at this roster and has had it with these guys, and I don't blame him because they're a bunch of role players, quite frankly, outside of Kevin Love, who's a five time All Star and is playing like an All Star in this yes. series when the money is on. The table, love again, has stepped up. Um, the others have not. Uh, the others have shriveled when the lights are the brightest. And I can't blame them all because uh, most of them, if not all of them, are role players. So staying doesn't make a lot of sense. So I don't know what he's going to do, but I think he's going to leave. But I don't think the inner, inner circle most feel that this is a you know one-foot tap in, you pick up the ball, and you roll to the next hole. This is a lot more complicated and not as, simplistic as a lot of people would like you to believe that it is. Ken, there's a lot of talk now with Colangelo out in Philly that Mm -hmm. LeBron's guy, David Griffin, formerly Mm -hmm. with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who LeBron has a lot of respect for, those guys are Mm -hmm. pretty tight, that if he takes the Sixers job, that might be the difference. Are you buying into that, or is that a sidebar to everything? Well, it's a little bit of a sidebar, assuming he, if he gets the deal, Philadelphia becomes more attractive. Uh, personally, I'm a big Griff fan. I uh, like him personally. He's been good to me over the years. Um, I think he's a really good guy, and I think he's a real good basketball guy. And he, he gets the business side. He gets the media thing. He gets the social media thing, um, which obviously Colangelo didn't understand the social media thing, well put. Um yeah, I think it would make Philadelphia more, or makes Philadelphia make more sense. But the problem is, Simmons is really young. All their players, their key guys for the most part, are young. Um, I don't know. Um, he might do that, and, and, and it wouldn't shock me if he went to Philadelphia, okay? Particularly if Griffin would be hired. Uh, but Boston is not going to be a cakewalk. They're going to have four really, really good players. And then you throw in the Al Horfords of the world and players like that. So it ain't going to be, if he goes to Philadelphia, he's still going to have to go through Boston before he even thinks about Houston or Golden State, most likely Golden State. But if Griff gets the job, David Griffin, former GM of the Cavaliers, then it does lend more credibility that Philadelphia would be, uh, uh, they would have to be, you would think, the front runner at least on paper. Well, Ken, we uh, have plenty of time to talk about the off season when we get there. It could be as soon as tomorrow night with the NBA yeah. Finals and the draft, and then free agency right around the corner. But uh, we got football too, and, and football, as you know, much more important than, than this basketball no stuff doubt. going on. So, no doubt, no doubt. We're, I, we're I, one day closer to college football. That's 
That's how I view it. That That's the way to view it. So I was pondering this question earlier today. I, I was, uh, how was it, a couple nights ago, I was flipping around. I came across the SEC Network, and they had a replay of a game involving Ole Miss. And I was watching Shea Patterson, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good in the game. So my question is, Shea Patterson, many people consider this is going to be the guy that's going to get things turned around for Michigan and get them at that highest level. Are we sure Shea Patterson is good? Funny you should mention that. I'm sitting last night. And, Jim, you know I like to frequent with people. Obviously, I'm, yes. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> he laughs. <laughs> um, I'm sitting with a guy from Detroit last night, uh, a couple hours, more than a few couple hours, before tip-off last night. And somehow Shea Patterson's name came up. And I said to him, what do you think? And he said to me, well... When he's been good, he's been really good. When he's been bad, quite frankly, he hasn't been very, very good. Look, um, he better be really good. They have a very difficult schedule, starting with Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. They have to play the other big three in the East. He can't get around Michigan State, Ohio State, and obviously Penn State. Obviously, that is a gauntlet uh, for any quarterback or any team uh, in college football. So you throw in the big three outside of Michigan, Oh, because he represents Michigan, he's got to get through those three. Plus, he's got Notre Dame on the schedule. Plus, without looking at the schedule, he's got to go through who he has to play in the West. Um, he will be an upgrade, but I I want to see it, and I think this is where you're going. I want, I want to see it for six, seven, eight, nine games. I want to see him play Notre Dame. I want to see him play Michigan State, Penn State. He'll get Ohio State in Columbus, final game of the year, obviously. Uh, always the final game of the year for those two teams. And then, obviously, we'll have a much better idea. I, I got people telling me he's going to be there one year and he's going to the NFL. So if that's his game plan, and I would assume that is his game plan, then he better put up some big-time numbers. I know one thing. they got two really good young wide receivers. These are five-star wide receivers uh, coming back for Michigan. Running game, it's okay. It's not great. Um, it's okay. I, I, it's better than pedestrian, but it's not. Uh, it, it's not Wisconsin's running game. It's not Ohio State's running game. It's okay. Offensive line that Shea Patterson will be working with is decent, but it's not. It's not Michigan of years gone by. Okay, uh, defense is really good. Uh, their defensive eleven, you could argue. Oh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that they, on paper, should be uh, the best in the Big Ten. Okay. So, I mean, he's got Patterson's walking into a situation where he's got some stuff to work with, particularly those young wide receivers, and he's got a defense that's going to give him the ball back, mm-hmm. most likely an advocation position. But I'm like you. I, I saw him play live a couple times, live meaning watching it on TV, and I thought – yeah, okay. I he looks he looks fine, you know, but the bar now is so high. The fans' expectations are this guy's gonna be the second coming of you fill in a blank and I don't know and I think this is what you're hinting at, whether or not that's gonna be the case. I, I think he's gonna get fat against some weaker competition. I wanna see him against the real big boys in this conference, uh, whether it's at home or more importantly on the road and see how he fares. Then We'll see whether or not he's a one a one year guy and leaving for the National Football League. 
Ken, let me follow up then, uh, because the way that you talked about Michigan and the difficulty of their schedule as well, is this going to be a real rock'em sock'em Big Ten college football year? In other words, are we do we have four, maybe even five teams that are that good? Well, we definitely have four. Five is Wisconsin in no particular order. Um, I, I think the question then is: There is six team, you know? Is there a six team? I mean, look, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I was got the quarterback coming back. Okay, I look. I went back and watched the tape of the uh, Ohio State Iowa game. He played as well as anyone I've seen play against Ohio State in a lot of years. Now, granted, he didn't play like that the entire year. Okay, but if you can do it one week against a team that good with that many elite players and that many players that go to the NFL every year, then you got to start. Now, obviously, and the thing about Iowa, and I don't have to tell you guys, it's every couple of years. Okay, this is about time that it might be that every couple of years thing. The problem is Wisconsin. Can they, can they dethrone Wisconsin? And the problem there is the quarterback's back, the running back's back, and that's a problem. Um, not that I think the, the quarterback's an NFL talent because he's not, or the running back's legit in Taylor. That guy can flat-out run the football. And except against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, he flat-out pretty much dominated uh, week in, week out. He didn't put up those numbers uh, by just rolling the ball out there and saying, hey, you know, I'm knocking on the door, whatever, 2,000 yards or whatever he gained for the year uh, as a young player. So um, definitely no particular order, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin. The question is, is there a six-team, and who might that be? And it's going to be a great year. Basketball is down. There are a lot of people who think now basketball is going to come back because a lot of guys didn't go to the NBA. We'll put that off to the side because it's more than a few months until hoop season. Football's less than 90 days away, guys. Less than 90, about 80-plus-ish. And at this point... You know, you look at Iowa, you look at, you know, maybe Northwestern, particularly if Thorson's okay, and that's a huge if, a quarterback coming off the nasty knee in the bowl game, and you wonder, could there be a sixteen? There's definitely five. There's no doubt about it. There are five big boys in this conference, and what the order is, one through five at this point, is probably very dicey and debatable, but I don't think anybody's going to disagree that all five are capable a winning 10 or more. Ken, uh, last, last thing for me, I'll let Jim finish up with you here. So you mentioned it, and uh, you mentioned the Ohio State-Iowa game last year. I, I watched it. It was on BTN the other night. Watched mm-hmm. it for I watched I don't know, it. the 30th time. It's, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's football porn to me, obviously, growing up as a Hawkeye fan <laughs> and loving that. But, but does football that, porn. Does, I love it. Yeah. Does that Come resonate on. back there? I mean, are, are people still talking? What in God's name happened on that November night in Iowa City? People don't know. Seriously. It's, it's unexplainable. It's like a UFO. Okay. That's right. I mean, it just, it was, I mean, I saw it. You've seen it many, many times. Yes. I, I, you know, I mean, they came back the following week and destroyed Michigan State. They beat them 48-3. to three. They could have scored 60 or 70 on Michigan State. Okay. I mean, that, they just, if you want to watch a dismantling of a, of a pretty good football team, watch the Ohio State-Michigan State game of this past year. It was, oh, my goodness, 
Michigan State could not stop nothing, okay? And that's not Michigan State football, not with Antonio coaching. Mark doesn't roll out a football team like that. Even with the year prior, okay, when they won just a few games, you know, they were in most games. They weren't blown out, um, you know, whatever. They bounced back and had a really good year um, this past year. So, yeah, I, unexplainable, but, but when you look at it, it's a quarterback-driven business. He's got the size. He's got the arm. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what the Iowa running game is going to look like um, at this point. Um, you know there's going to be tight end play, and he's back again. So they're set there. Wide receivers should be better because they now have a more experience. Offensive line is always good. They're going to miss, obviously, um, James Daniel, who's gone to the pros, and he's a good player. And he's going to be a good NFL player. So at this point, you say to yourself, all right, how in the hoot do we beat Wisconsin? That should be, I mean, that should be the only thing on their collective mind. Iowa fan, Iowa coaching staff, Iowa football player. The only thing that should be, it should be the number one commandment is how do we beat, not only how do we beat Wisconsin, when the dust settles, how do we end up being numero uno in the West? How do we get back to Wisconsin? What do we need to do? Is this the year that we topple the Badgers? Okay, because in the East, you can make an argument, and a pretty good one, for one of 14. Until proven differently, you can't make, I don't think you can, make a solid argument to topple Wisconsin until Wisconsin is toppled. So, yep. But I think Iowa's got a shot because they have quarterback play. And if he plays steady, he doesn't have to play like he played against Ohio State every week, <laughs> but if he plays pretty well to very well, mm-hmm. and everything else sort of, you know, the schedule's pretty kind, okay? If things sort of work out and they beat Iowa State in the, in the big uh, rivalry game and get some momentum out of that week, you know, and Northwestern doesn't get Thorson back or Thorson's a little sketchy and the running game is sketchy um, because Jackson's left for the pros and Larkin isn't as good as some people think he might be as his replacement, hmm, then all of a sudden we're going to have a very interesting October, maybe more importantly November for college football in the Big Ten, in the West. The East is going to be tremendous. I mean, these teams are going to be killing each other, these four big boys. Mm-hmm. They are going to be killing each other uh, because the, the gap is, if you just look at it from a recruiting standpoint, the gap is still pretty big, but when they play on Saturdays, for some reason, the gap is not as big as some people may think. There's some potholes along the way, but for the most part, the difference between whoever you think is number one in the East and who you think is number four in the East is not that big, not that big at all. These teams are really good, and you could make an argument it's the best division in all of college football, uh, the Big Ten East. That's nice to say. Always good, man, when we catch up with you. You have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow night too, Ken. Yeah, it might be the end, and I think it will be, and uh, we'll visit next week. And uh, most importantly, be one week closer to college football. <laughs> Bring it on, boys. I'm right there with you. Ken Silverstein joining us here today, as he does each and every Thursday throughout the year, talking a little Cavs, talking a little college football. We're getting there, Jimmy B. Got the yep. press release, the Big Ten uh, Media Days coming up at the end of July. Of course, we also have uh, Big 12 Media Days the week before July will be here, and then it'll be all systems go, Jimmy B. Football, football, football. I'm ready, pal. I think everybody is, you know, after the NBA playoffs are over, there's nothing but baseball, and that's pretty boring. 
through the dog days of summer. Boring to you. Boring to you, Jim. Boring to you. No, it's boring. It's boring. Boring to you. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. You don't like baseball. That's fine. No, that is not that is not the case. I do like baseball. I played baseball. I like it. But it's boring through the dog days of summer when that's all there is. Well, we got the so World Cup this year. We got the World Cup. That's a good thing, is right? The United, is, is the United States team in it? No, no. Deutschland. Deutschland. No, she's not. Germany, yeah. All right. I'm going with my German yeah. brethren. That, that's you're where going, I'm going. You're going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, is... Uh, is Ethiopia? Do they have a uh, soccer team? Why do you have a I'll connection Ethiop- there? I'll, I'll take Ethiopia if they have a soccer team. Is, is that where your family came from? No, <laughs> I'm from Norway, Sweden area. Norway, I'm Scandinavian. Scandinavian. Yeah, I'm Scandinavian. All right. All right. All right. They don't have like a Scandinavian team. Well, no, no. They the, the countries are all separated, Jim. Yes, that's, that's they how the are. World I Cup. Yeah. I, th- I think you have to do a little bit of work. It sounds like on the World Cup before we get there, and we're getting close, a week away from the World Cup as uh, things will open up in Russia. But we got to take a break. We're a ton late. We're coming back on the other side and putting a cap on things. It's Jimmy B and TC back one final time. It's Jimmy B and TC on seventeen hundred. So, Jim, uh, tonight it's hockey, an opportunity to clinch to close it out. Will we get the clincher this evening? Vegas, do they stave off elimination? You got the Capitals winning this thing in five. I think Las Vegas wins this game tonight, Trent. I think they got a little spark back in their jump in the third period when they scored a couple of goals. They finally broke through on Holtby, who has played spectacularly uh, for the Capitals in goal. I like Vegas this evening, and then I like Washington to close it out on home ice over the weekend. But I just think Vegas finds a way to kind of get it done this evening. Look, the Capitals have played played extremely well. Everybody mm-hmm. thought Vegas was going to skate past them, and that really hasn't happened. Vegas probably is the fastest team in the league, but the Capitals have been able, with their rougher, tougher defense, to slow them down a little bit, and that has enabled them, plus capitalizing on power plays, to get in front three games to one. But I like Vegas tonight. Mm-hmm. Going with Vegas tonight, so... Jim, uh, I handed out my big bet yesterday. I told everybody, take the Cavs in the first half, the Warriors to win the game. It was a uh, prop that you could do at plus 50. I got another one. Now, I'm not as confident with this one, but a series price in the Stanley Cup final. Vegas to come back and win these final three games, 5-1, to plus 500. Obviously, game five tonight's in Vegas. You get to a game six back in D.C., and... I, I have a feeling if you can get to that point, news starting to tighten a little bit. Some of the old ghosts of Washington teams that have collapsed in the past, and, and they've had plenty of 3-1 leads in the past, not in the Stanley Cup final, but in the no. playoffs, and have yes. seen that go awry. Maybe that starts to creep in a little bit. Again, not a big play by any means, but just a, a little taste here. Hmm. Vegas Interesting. at 5-1 to one to come back, win these final three games. That's where I'm sitting. Well, my Twins got to win today. Cubs uh, in action this afternoon against the Phillies. Night baseball, not a whole lot overall, so I guess I'm going to be with you. I I guess it's mostly hockey for me tonight. Yeah, that's it. I'm dialed in. And anytime you got a matchup like this, particularly in the Stanley Cup final, it's going to be fast, furious, and an awful lot of fun to watch, Trent. We are into it. If you're out and about this evening, not in front of your television, you can catch the Stanley Cup final game five right here on 1700 KBGG. We have you covered 
with the Westwood One coverage. So dial us in, keep it locked and loaded here on 1700. That'll do it for the program today. We will be back tomorrow starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller uh, for over your lunch hour from noon until 2, and then Jimmy B and TC on your drive home from 4 until 6 o'clock. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.